This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello everyone, it's your favourite podcast host here, Joe Redman, just letting you know that the TalkSport Fan Network is now proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Back for Scott Arfield. He's been threatening that recently. And all the Burnley players run to the Darwin end. Burnley win the next ball. It's Rory now. On the outside. He's got it. Quickly finds Benson in space at the byline. Can Burnley get a goal here? Back for Browner. Saved by the keeper. That is magnificent. They deserve that. Benson, can he go on the outside? Comes inside. Comes on the shot. Oh, what a goal! Manuel Benson once more. That is top class. 
Forest deserve the championship title. They've been the best side throughout the campaign. Burnley have won the second tier. What a fantastic achievement. The players have been magnificent. Yes, hello everyone and welcome along to the latest episode of The Lowdown on here on Turfcast as we chat about Sander Berg. Now I know some people will be saying, oh, we signed him a week ago, why has it taken so long? Well, we signed him on Thursday, then we played City on Friday, so we had to do the pre-game stuff and all the post-game stuff, and then obviously we don't have a game this weekend, so this will fill the gap beautifully, um, thanks to Luton's ground not being ready. But I'm good to say I'm joined by my good friend, and you might recognise him from the overlap, being very depressed on the overlap, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> it's Nick from the Sheffield United way. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good, thank you, mate. How about you? Yeah, really good, thanks, mate. Really good, thanks. Um, but yeah, I do. I, I know I touched on it there briefly. We'll get into into how you're feeling about your season and stuff because things have changed at Sheffield United. I think since the overlap was recorded, and one of the main major changes is um, obviously Sander Berg going to Berlin. Now I found out the day that we was recording it. I don't know if you remember. I cooked to you with my phone. I'm like, what's all this about? And you said, yeah, I've actually already heard this. It's, it's looking like it's going to happen. Um, what type of player is he then, Sanderberg? I mean, I know I know he's a midfielder, but what sort of type of midfielder is he? Before you get onto it, what I will say is um, a big revelation that Sander did when he um, when when you released him was that he told us that his name was Sander Berger, and then he says on your uh, video Burge. So the thing oh, is, what you need yeah. to know about Sander is. There's 12 variations of his name. So some people call him Sander. Some people call him Xander. Some people call him uh, Zonder. And Not then there's Berger, Berg, Burge, and Berger. So yeah. there is 12 different variations, whatever you <laughs> want to call him. I would always call him Sander Berger. That's what I will yeah, say. Fair so, enough. I'll, I've gone with Sander Berg for now, and I'll, I'll, I'll just stick with that. <laughs> that's fair enough mate but just so you know people will be calling him different things all season so yeah. uh, that's one thing to get to uh get used to so yeah sander what sort of player is he well for his stature you would think he's a big strong lad yeah it's not necessarily the case to be fair um he's one of these players that for his size six foot six six foot seven something like that we used to have him on the edge of the box when taking corners, which is crazy to say, but he's not very strong. He's he's strong when he's got the ball and he's driving forward, but I'm not sure how much of that he's going to be doing under Vincent Company at Burnley. Uh, we used him as an attacking midfielder for the most part, um, which I don't think the Norway manager liked because obviously he's a full international plays. Uh, a lot for Norway, and they play him as a defensive midfielder. Um, yeah. I'm not sure all about this number four, number six, number eight nonsense. So when I started watching football, there was two central midfielders, and and one of them was more defensive, one of them was more attacking. So, but he for me is he should be an attacking midfielder on the right hand side, driving at defenders. That's where he is best. However, with who he is and, and how he plays football. I think a lot of managers like to play him defensive, good footballer, and kind of advancing up the field, giving it to players that are little nippy and better with, with, with running at running at teams. But I don't know how you're going to play him. This is the thing because for me, he's he he 
gets the ball from a defender or something like that, and then he just spends too much time on it, gets the ball nicked mm. off him. We watched him, uh, a lot of the Sheffield United fans watched him to, to see how Vincent Company would play him. And it seems like he didn't get too many touches of the ball, which you, you probably will have known um, from him not having the ball too much. And, and, and I guess that's because a lot of the Burnley players probably uh, aren't used to playing football with him. So it's like, I won't give it to that guy because I'm not... If I give it to this guy over here, I know that he's going to kind of do well with it. But obviously, he'll, he'll get into the uh, the Burnley style of play and uh, I'm sure he'll, he'll do really well for you. Yeah, interesting you mentioned that about the defensive midfield role because I do feel that like that's where we were playing. Um, simply because of the way we played last season. We, we played a lot of times with the double pivot, so Cullen and, and it was Jack Court last season. I'm thinking Sander Berg, Berger, whatever, uh, has, has come in to to to, to re- not replace Jack Cork, but to be another Jack Cork. Because Jack Cork's like, he's, I think he's older than me, is Jack Cork. Uh, and that's saying something. So when you've seen him play in this defensive midfield role, I know you said, you, you know, you guys like to use him as an attacking midfield um, role. But when you've seen him play in this defensive midfield role, what, what sort of player is he like? Is he good enough in that role for the Premier League, do you think? It's hard to say because he's not played for us in the Premier League too much. Um, he got injured and he's he's been really injury prone since. I think he's been injured every season that he's played for us. We haven't had a full season out of him at all. Uh, one of them in the second season in the Premier League when we had him, when we had that terrible season, uh, he had a really, really terrible injury where I think the muscle come away from the bone or something. It was something horrible. Um, and he got it picked up a bit of an injury last season. So having three different managers, different managers have played him in, in different ways. So he, he played okay for us in that defensive midfield role last season. Um, we The thing was we had, when we've had to use him in attacking midfield, he's been better for me. We have played him in defensive midfield in the championship and he's okay. I just don't feel like, his attributes are used the best in, in defensive yeah. field. He might be great for you guys in, in defensive midfield, but he's a good footballer. He'll hold on to the ball well. He's an intelligent footballer as well. Um, he's a bit slow. I think he's, he's he's quite quick when he gets the ball and he's attacking with it. But in defensive yeah. midfield, like I said earlier on, he picks up the ball and sometimes his brain doesn't work quick enough to, to figure out where the ball's going to go after that. So. I think it just, I think him getting used to the players that he's playing with and knowing where um, his teammates are going to be, that will that will help his game. But yeah, I don't know. I'm quite negative on him when it comes to being in defensive midfield because I just don't feel like any manager's got the best out of him other than when he plays as an attacking midfielder. But one of the things that I heard him say, uh, obviously through people, I don't know him to, to talk to, uh, but... Um, Having heard what he said, it sounds like he wants to play under company. Uh, I think the words were he wants to play, he'd rather play for company than Paul Heckingbottom. I think that was lost in translation. I think he just wants mm. to play under company and, and the players that Burnley's got at their disposal will help him um, in his career, I guess. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, obviously, we'll get on to how he might work into a company system uh, in, in, in a bit. But um, I want to know how, how the news went down with Sheffield United fans that he was leaving because it towards it came out of nowhere. Um, it just, just came out of nowhere. And I thought, why would Sheffield United sell to 
what they probably see, and I think after the you know opening weekend, you know, a lot of people might see as a direct relegation rival. Um, so how did it go down losing Sanderberg to Burnley with Sheffield United fans? It went really badly, as you probably expect. Um, yeah. However, I think that if this would have happened early on in the transfer window, I think we'd have got over it a lot quicker. I think the fact that we sold Illiman and Dai was our, was our best player, Sander being second, third best player, something like that, you'd probably say. Uh, it was it was hard to take straight after selling Illiman. Um, as you alluded to earlier on, we found out when we were recording and um, maybe my answer on the overlap to our season was um, kind of dependent on that and, and if it was going to happen. And obviously it happened very, very quickly. Selling to a relegation rival was the biggest thing for me. I wasn't too bothered about us losing Sander as long as we replaced him with a, a, either a like-for-like swap or mm. um, somebody better. And in my opinion, and this might just be me being biased right now to the players that we've got, Gus Harmer from Coventry's, who we uh, replaced yeah. him with. And I really, really like Gus. And I think that we'll probably get a little bit more for us uh, out of Gus rather than Sander. But we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, we, we, we took it badly, but only because we'd sold Sa- uh, Illiman, then we sold Sander. And I think the fans were thinking, are we going to replace these guys? And uh, we replaced him with, with Gus Harmer pretty quickly. So... As soon as we signed Gus, we were thinking, do you know what? It's not too bad that we've lost Sander. I think it was Illiman that that hurt us, hurt us a lot. Yeah, it's understandable that uh, that, that would hurt you quite a lot, um, to be honest. He's a very, very, very good footballer and will be a big loss to you guys. But um, yeah, uh, there was a lot of Sheffield United fans coming on the Turfcast pages um, after the move. And I, I was getting notifications last night still about certain Sheffield United fans on, on there completely just slagging Berg off left, right and centre, um, saying, you know, kind of some of the things that you said, but a little bit harsher, um, it's saying mm. he's too slow. One of the main criticisms about him is he can't head the ball. And that kind of, I think, goes back to, to something you said earlier about him being on the edge of the box, that if you can't head the ball. Uh, so what are the main sort of like weaknesses is what I'm not trying to criticise the people that are slagging him off, but more like what are the main weaknesses that, that, that Sander has? I think they are right to a certain extent, but I think it, it you kind of end up going through the negatives more when you've sold a player because you know yeah, they're not sure. going to play for you anymore. You are still hurting. Because we didn't want to lose Sander at all. We would have loved to have kept Sander. Um, he would have been a big part of our season next season. He might not be as big a part of, of oh, current season, should I say. Uh, mm-hmm. It might not be as big a part of your campaign as it would have been for our campaign because the players that we have right now we're still trying to build a squad, which is ridiculous to say when when we've already started the season. Um, but yeah, I think the weak points for him are his. I don't. Sometimes his mentality because he's so so inconsistent. Some games he looks like an absolute world beater, and you're thinking, "Wow, this guy's going to go on to to massive massive things." And that's where the frustration comes in for a lot of Blades fans because one of the things that I said just before this season started, it's like, I'm I'm kind of glad that we've lost him because he's, he's such a frustrating player that mm. he was the one that everybody was talking about constantly. And if he has a poor game, it's like, there's a, there's a, there's a really, really good podcast, the Sheffield United podcast called Tufty Club, and they say this constantly, that if Sander goes in with kind of like his first duel, if he wins his first duel, that'll set the tone for the rest of his performance. 
if he doesn't, and he kind of shies away or neshes it, as my dad always likes to say, um, he he kind of falls away, falls out of the game, and he's just nice, nice little one-two passes and stuff. Doesn't really get involved. Doesn't really get stuck in. He's not yeah. a player that's going to get stuck in anyway. As a defensive midfielder, the defensive midfield part of his game isn't good enough for me. He doesn't get stuck in. Um, he's like I said earlier on. He's very intelligent, but at the same time, like in that role, I feel like you need somebody who's a bit more dominant, and he's and he's not dominant enough for his size because he's not just a really really tall lad. He's quite a big lad in in stature as well. Um, he's not a skinny runt that's going to get knocked about, um, mm. and and he kind of is. So it's it's really frustrating. I think you'll be frustrated by him but you'll also see some incredible football from him. And if, if Vinny can get him, um, get a tune out of him, then I think that he could be one of your better players. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think, and you said earlier that he's worked under three different managers with you guys, but then you've obviously just said then that it's a bit of a mentality thing. Sometimes if his first year doesn't go well, he can shy away. Do you think a better away days are fantastic, especially when you win the league at Ewood Park, but, there's still nothing quite like playing at home. The same goals for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. A better man manager would be able to to, to get, get in with a better mentality. So if he does go in and lose his first couple of duels, like he's always going to against Man City, which is obviously the team we played first, then it's not going to bother him too much. You think a better man manager, say Vincent Company, could be that guy, and then he might not necessarily have that trait? I'm not sure because I think there's there's not many better man managers than Chris Wilder, and, and he loved Chris Wilder. So I'm not sure... Uh, the jury is still out about that. Maybe you never know. I think Vincent Company is a fantastic manager, um, and we've had some pretty decent managers under Sander. Obviously, Paul Eckingbottom got us promoted last season. Chris Wilder, we went on a fantastic journey with him, uh, and and he put us in this position to to where we're kind of maybe a yo-yo club right right now. And and before that, I've I've seen Sheffield United being in the Championship for ten years, like two separate times. So. I think that we've had some really, really good managers. Like you say, though, Vincent Company could be a more progressive manager. Chris Wilder, uh, everybody told, well, a lot of fans that aren't Sheffield United fans was calling him kind of like a, a prehistoric sort of manager um, yeah. where it's kind of the Warnickism sort of like you got to get stuck into him and stuff like that. And and it wasn't that, but I think Company has taken that on and I think he's a bit more of a, a tactical manager than Wilder, and, and maybe it's the tactic, uh, tactical side that that Vincent might kind of tap into to 
um, Sander and, and get a bit more out of him rather than, I don't necessarily think it is the man-manager side because I think it's more up here. And I think if yeah. he can change his tactical mannerisms rather than, go on, just get stuck in, lad, because he's not that sort of player. I, and I don't think he's that sort of player that will, if you give him a arm around the shoulder or a bollocking, I don't think either of them necessarily work for him. I think it's what he decides on the day. Yeah, fair enough. That's interesting because I've never seen a manager as meticulous as Vincent Company, like a Burnley manager, should I say, like with tactics. Like I've been watching the Burnley documentary a few times recently and he's just constantly in meetings. He's like got tactics on the screen, lasers pointing it, right, you need to do this, you need to do that at this stage, at that stage. So fingers crossed that helps and playing alongside Cullen. Um, that helps as well. But I want to talk about Gus Harmer. You've just mentioned there that you brought him in. Um, and Souza as well. Two players that we were after, which you know I, I found quite uh, bizarre, really, that, that all this summer we were after these two players. And then Berg came out of nowhere. We signed him. And then you went and signed the two players that we were after. I was like, hold on, I kind of still want... I wasn't too bothered about Souza um, because I didn't know much about him. He might work out to be a brilliant player. Um, but with Gus Harmer, like, I do remember thinking, like, yeah, I'd have him at the turf. Um but how do you feel now that you are... Do you feel, basically, do you feel you're in a better position losing Sander and bringing in these two? Because you're also um, looking at another lad that we were looking at um, from Mets. Is it Nikutadze? Probably butchered that name. Um, I've seen today as well. Um, so do you feel like your midfield is in a better place now? now? Now you've brought them two lads in after losing Sander or do you think you're a little bit weaker? It's hard to say, really, because I think the Sousa money um, came from Illiman being sold. So, mm. obviously, that puts... I'd rather have Illiman than, than anyone. Um, and and, and with, if we'd have kept Illiman and Sander together, I do feel like mm. um, the fact that they've played together for two, three years now, whatever, I think that we would have been in a better position uh, with those. However... Um, I think if you take Illumin and Die out of the situation, because he's not a midfielder, he was a second striker for us linking the mm-hmm. play. Um, I think Souza, I've not seen Souza play. I've, not, I've Sorry, I've seen him play 10 minutes at the end of the match against uh, yeah. against Palace. So I can't really say much about him. I know he's a big bruiser, and I think that's something that we've needed for, for a long, long time. I can't remember the last player that we had that got stuck in was a big six-foot-two man in the midfield that loves a tackle. I don't think we've had one of them for a very, very long time. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and Gus Harmer just looks like a fantastic footballer. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch Coventry too meticulously in the last couple of years, but I've seen highlights and stuff like that. I've obviously watched him in the semi-final. We were obviously rooting for Coventry to beat Borough because, as everybody knows, Borough, got, um, Borough overtook us and got promoted, not us. So, uh, so yeah, we... Uh, we obviously watched that and uh, enjoyed that Harmer scoring the goal and Harmer scoring uh, the equaliser against Luton in the final. So he obviously can score big goals in big games. So that's that's good to see. I was really, really shocked when people were telling me that he's a defensive midfielder. I'm like, he's scoring all these goals. He's, mm. He looks like a really good attacking player, getting uh, balls into the box and, and his dead ball situations are fantastic as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I do think that we are better without Sander with those players in but we've got to see how they gel because we just haven't seen I would have liked to have seen us sign four or five players right at the start of the window I'm sure everybody would have wanted this yeah. right at the start of the window and then they all gel in uh really good pre-season and you start as you mean to go on but we haven't had that so we'll have to wait and see how 
they kind of all fit in together because Paul Heckenbottom will know uh, how that will happen way more than I will. So fingers crossed. But I do think that Sander not playing at defensive midfield because I think that's what Hecky would have played him as. I, I just it's not for me. I don't like seeing Sander playing defensive midfield. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's going to be interesting to see what we do with him. It might be a case of uh, both playing the double pivot, but our formations can be quite flexible. So it be a case of both playing the double pivot without the ball, uh, with the ball, Sander, you get forward, Cullen, you hang back. So we'll see what happens with it. Um, in ter- just going back in terms of, obviously, I mentioned us bringing Sander in and you bringing them two in and potentially a third. I think we've both improved, to be honest. I think you letting him go, you've then improved with the players that you brought in. And I think we're better with him in there as well. Um, I think we've both got what we wanted out, out of the deal. And I think we're both better for it. Um, I did mention earlier you were quite depressed on the overlap, uh, talking about your chances. Um, actually made the main clip that was released the night before. I remember watching it as you were like, I'm really, really worried. And it's zooming in on your face every <laughs> single time. I'm laughing me out of in bed going, oh, Nick's going to be fuming with that. Um, but... Obviously, you brought them players in now, so things will have changed from that. And you've seen your side play, all right, it was a defeat against Crystal Palace. But how are you feeling now ahead of your season? Are you still really, really worried, worried sorry, or are you a little bit more optimistic about it now? Uh, definitely more optimistic now we've brought in a few players. And Tom Davies we've brought in as well. Um, I'll be honest, um, I haven't seen, I, I don't feel like I've seen Tom Davies play for about four years. Like it just yeah. doesn't feel, and and don't get me wrong, the last two seasons we've been playing Championship football, so I've not been as invested in uh, the Premier League in that time. But it, I remember Tom Davis coming through the the Everton team and thinking, "Wow, he's a very yeah. very special talent." And then injuries and and just not being able to get into the team, and and now he's a a blade. I just. I don't know what we're going to do with him, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's but an I'm interesting one, is Tom Davis. Very interesting one. If you if you find the Tom Davis that brought through the Everton side, he will be very, very good. I'm just a little bit sceptical that you will find that. I just think he's been on a downward trajectory for the last two, three years. But fingers crossed for you guys, you managed to turn him around. Yeah, yeah. Same here, same here. I don't know whether he's going to be a starter every week or whether he's going to be somebody that we bring on or is a squad player or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm definitely not as depressed as I was on the overlap. Um, we've, we've brought in some some decent players. Um, it just all needs to gel. My worry was that for the Palace game, the midfield was worse than any midfield that we put out in the championship. And that's one of the things I said on the, uh, on the overlap, that we yeah. were going to start the season with a worse team than we ended last season. And that's exactly what happened. And um, I think Palace were there for the taking. We weren't very good. I think if we'd have played the team that's going to play Forest on Friday night, I think would have put up a, a lot better fight against Palace. I think Souza didn't quite... Um, oh, no, he did, sorry. Souza only just got got in the door. So I think Hecky didn't want to throw him in straight away. And then Harmer was doing all the, um, all the social media stuff until the early hours of the... The night before, he wasn't able to play anyway. Uh, but even if he uh, if he was able to play, that's not exactly great preparation, is it? Doing social media until two o'clock in the morning for for the uh, for the announcement. But mm-hmm. now I think that I'm a lot more. Uh, I'm expecting a lot more now. Uh, I still feel like we've got we've got two loans to use as well. So I feel like they're going to be uh, used. I think we might sign one other attacking player. It's Cameron Archer's been touted at the moment but it seems like everybody's after him Akpon yeah. we've just I think we've just let go as in like we're, we're not interested in signing him now because I think we kind of thought 
it's a bit too much money for somebody that's had one really, really good season and nothing before that, especially with the step up as well that he'll have to do. And um, I don't think, I think if we'd have signed Archer and Akpom together, that would have been something really, really special that we could have tapped him to from kind of their Middlesbrough days the season before. But um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful we'll say that. Yeah, Akpom's gone to Ajax, hasn't he? Now I think that was confirmed uh, yesterday. Um, so yeah, obviously, obviously that one's been let go. But you're saying you're more hopeful then. Um, interestingly, uh, we'll get on to what you feel about Burnley in a second. But interestingly, when we were on the overlap, and I've, I'm sorry to keep mentioning it, people. Were we on the overlap? We was apparently. We um, yeah. But I, I think people are getting fed up with me saying it already. But you just got to get <laughs> used to it because pretty much every content creator I met that day will probably be on the channel over the next six months. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Carragher did predict you and Luton to go down as well as Wolves. Um, do you think that you can stop up now you've now you've made some signings, or do you think you're still going to slide through the trapdoor unless you sign AXY in the next few weeks? I think if we don't sign any more players, then we still probably get relegated. But I th- we just need to bolster it. I I don't think it's a mm. bad first eleven. Um, we also need to get players back from injury. Ollie McBurney's. Uh, I think he got injured first game of pre-season and then he's just on his way back now. So we've still got other players that need to come back. We were playing with um, a young lad up top against Palace that have played like three or four professional games before that, all off the bench. So, um, yeah, and then and then Benny Traore, a lad that we we plucked from the uh, Swedish league, that we, it's more of a hopeful, hopefully in the future, he will come good. And we had to play them both first game of the season. So... Hopefully we'll get some players back from injury. Hopefully we'll sign some more players. A couple on loan, as I've just said, those domestic loans would be nice to see us bring in uh, a top youngster from a big club like uh, a James McAtee. Or it, they were talking about Cole Palmer, but there's no chance of us getting Cole Palmer now. He's uh, found his his goal scoring yeah. boots in big games. So uh, yeah, that would have been nice to have seen as as get him in before he started scoring goals for the uh, Man City first side, but. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. I'm like I say, I'm hopeful. I think we've got a chance of staying up. I'd like to see us bolster that squad. Um, I'm just they're all new players, so we're going to have to see how they mold and gel together. Uh, if they gel well, we we may we may stay up. But right now, I still feel like we will finish in the bottom three. Yeah, fair enough. Um, going back to Cole Palmer, we've been linked with him for ages as well. So when he scored that goal against Arsenal, I was like, ah, we're definitely not going to sign him. But then I spoke to Big Steve, another one from the O word that I won't mention, um, <laughs> obviously because we played them last week. Uh, and he was saying, I still think he'll go out on loan, but obviously he scored again in the Super Cup. So I'm, I'm not sure he will now. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to miss out on him. Um, but Jamie Carragher, after watching Burnley against the best team in the world and the treble winners and the current champions, has decided that because we got beat against them, that we are now going to get relegated. Um, I want to just get your thoughts on on where you think Burnley are at the minute uh, and what we can achieve this season. Do you think we'll be battling with you guys and or just stay clear, or do you think we can maybe push for you know top twelve or whatever? Yeah, mid table. I see us mid table, and I think it's ridiculous when um, they change their um, their ideas like they change their underpants. It's just it's just silly. It really is because. You lose one game. You play Man City for God's sake. Oh. Like I don't think you did too badly watching that because obviously we were we were watching Sander um, really really closely. But like Harlan scores an absolutely fantastic goal that yeah that maybe one, someone yeah. could have got a little bit closer to. But Trafford have had absolutely no chance with that one. I, 
I don't think you were too far away from him, to be perfectly honest. And I think you'll only get better and better and better as the season goes on. Um, I've seen that you've uh, just sent out Scott Twine on loan as well. So clearly, if you're willing to send out young lads like that that could come on and make a difference, then the, uh, Vincent Company thinks that the squad is more than capable enough to uh, to do the do the damage in the Premier League. I think you'll be absolutely fine. I really do. Yeah, fingers crossed. I do agree with you. Um, I, it wasn't just Jamie Carragher that had an overreaction um, after Friday night. Some Burnley fans have had one as well, but we're playing Man City. And, and even some people, because I did see a Sheffield United page do like a big article on how poor Sander Berg was. I don't know if you saw it. Um, but it, it, even then, like people like him and Trafford and, and all these deputants like Corley Orshaw, they played Man City. So, you know, we're not going to know much about them yet until another you know, like three, four games, you know, when we played with respect to Villa, they're still a very good side, but teams that aren't the best team in the world. Um, but Nick, obviously it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on, giving me all I need to know on Sanderberg, even the different ways to pronounce his name. And you know what? It's funny because um, Burnley fans have a bit of a, um, a joke amongst ourselves that, you know, we can't pronounce names anyway, because Jeff Hendrick played for Burnley for years and, Everybody calls him Jeff Hendricks. It's like, where have you got this S from? So that's going to be interesting. Chris Wood. A lot of Burnley fans called him Chris Woods. There was a guy behind me that used to call Chris Eagles, Chris Seagulls. So oh, how we're going to get on with this Sanderberg, Bird, Sander, Sand, what, what, whatever, is going to be very interesting. What about the spellings as well? Because I had um, Billy Sharp, our most legendary striker, Still, Sheffield United fans put an E on the end of Sharp. It's like, how many times have you seen his name on the score sheet and you still can't yeah. spell it right? Yeah. So, it's going to be interesting to see how we get on going forward. I need to choose which way I'm going to pronounce it. I'll, I'll stick with Sanderberg because I've gone with it now. I can't, I can't change it. But I'll um, be interested to see how all the lads on the podcast start pronouncing it over the course of the season. Um, but, Nick, it's been a pleasure. It's good to get you on. I think it's the first appearance you've had. I don't think we're, we got you on last season, did we? Um, mm. I can't remember which Sheffield United page we used. It might have been your guys. Probably a rubbish else. one, yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, but, mate, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Good luck for the season. Um, just if you do stay up, I just hope it's not at our expense. But good luck for the season, mate. Cheers, pal. Thanks a lot. Sports Social Podcast Network. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates have already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.